Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from His Word today. If you would take your Bible or your Bible app and open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to jump in in a moment. Some of you are wondering, why in the world am I carrying a staff? No, I am not doing my impression of Moses. Um, That's one of those pastor dad jokes. Yeah, it went over better in the first service. But um, no, actually, I want to share with you something that means a lot to our family. This is the board that we used to measure our girls as they grew up and as they grew older. We had to move several times with seminary and various uh, changes in ministry. And so instead of measuring them on a wall at a house, we knew uh, that we wouldn't be able to take that with us. And so we measured them on a board. So right here we've got Riley when she was six years old, pretty tall for a six-year-old. We have Katie when she was uh, nine years old. When I pulled this out yesterday, the girls knew exactly what it was. They hadn't seen it in a while, uh, but Riley walks up and her and Katie are almost taller than the board itself now. Uh, But just a lot of neat memories. How many of you either did this with your children or you did this as a child? You measured every birthday. Yeah, a lot of us did that. There's just something about progress. There's something about measuring our growth. So I'm going to ask you to keep that in mind for the rest of the service. I'm not going to carry it with me. I'm not that coordinated, but Jagger is going to take it. Let's give Jagger a hand. Good job, man. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. What if, though, God measured your growth in that way? How do you think you're doing? What if you measure your own growth? You look at yourself in the mirror every day. How do you think you're doing? Are you growing or are you where you want to be at this phase of your life? Are you satisfied? Of course, none of us have arrived, but do you feel like you're on a growth trajectory or do you feel like you've stalled? Do you feel like your growth, for some reason, has been stunted? Um, Is there a certain habit that you're not able to get over and you're like, hey, I would love to learn how I can get through and break through and grow past that habit? Maybe it's a hurt. Uh, Maybe there was a hurt in your life you've not quite been able to get over and you would love to, even though you know you'll never actually get over it or totally heal from it, this side of heaven, you would like to be able to grow through it and grow past it. How is your marriage doing? Uh, How are your children growing? How is your career growing? How are you growing as a person? When's the last time you got out of bed and were just glad to be a Christian? Just glad to be a Christian, ready to like take the next hill for the Lord? Or when was the last time you were so excited about your faith and what Jesus was doing in your life that you just had to share it with somebody, even if they weren't a believer? You see, I think this message today may be the most important message that we discuss as a family this fall. And it's not because I'm speaking, but it's because it's so close and so uh, intertwined with our mission. You see, our mission at Bible Center is to glorify God by producing more maturing followers of Jesus. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to drill down on what it means to mature as a follower of Jesus. Of Christ. If you're a new Christian, you need to grow. If you're a veteran Christian, you've been a believer for a while, you also, we need to grow. If you're a leader of any kind, you serve in the church in some way, you lead children or students or your family or friends, you, you need to grow. And so in the next few minutes, I'm going to try to answer three questions. 
One is what is spiritual growth? Two, how do we grow? And number three, why should we grow? What is spiritual growth? How do we grow? And why should we grow? The outline is in your bulletin. You can also follow along on your app if that helps you uh, take notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where I'll be reading. Let me invite you to stand out of respect for the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The words will also be on the screen. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field." This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What is spiritual growth? Well, spiritual growth is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives. It's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Let's kind of look at some key words in that phrase quickly. This idea of it being a process you and I will never arrive at sinless perfection on this side of heaven. The Christians who, in history who've led the church and said that somehow you could reach this state of sinlessness almost always repented, almost always recanted of that belief before they died because they realized it was impossible. We're always growing until we meet the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Galatians 4.19 is a simple but powerful verse. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. We notice the goal is Jesus. We all have people in our lives to, to whom we look up. We have mentors. We have spiritual heroes. But it's important as we go along that the goal isn't to be like them. The goal is to be like Jesus. The problem with making somebody else our goal is that we accept their warts and promote their warts along with their blessings. And so we, we remember that Jesus is the goal. I love what N.T. Wright wrote. He said, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. 
If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama, which has him as the central character. And this growth is something that takes place in every aspect of our lives. It's not just like there's a spiritual growth that's needed and everything else doesn't matter, but it's growth for the holistic person. God is interested in every compartment of your life. Certainly, he's interested in you spiritually, but he also cares about you physically, intellectually, emotionally, culturally, relationally, sexually, financially, and so on. Because God is overall, all growth is spiritual growth. There is no such thing as our spiritual life and then our real life, but it's just all life. All growth is from God. So that's the what. That's what spiritual growth is. So we have to ask the question, how do we grow? What's the quote-unquote formula for growth? Now, in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you six quick principles that will help you grow, and I really hope you don't see this as a formula. I purposely didn't number them because it's not like step one and then step two. Wait a minute. I skipped step four. No, it's, 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 these are principles. And so, like, for instance, if I told you I have a magical formula that's going to tell you how to raise kids, if anybody ever tells you that, run, right? There's no magical formula. There's principles. It's organic. So I want you to see these principles like this, almost like this big pot of stew. We're going to throw in six principles, and I hope that the Lord will help you see some principles that you can put into effect in your life, maybe that you've been missing that will help you grow in ways that you haven't grown before. And they're labeled alphabetically to help you remember them. Letter A, admit you need growth. Admit you need to grow. In the passage I just read a few moments ago, we heard that the church at Corinth had a particular problem. In verse 1, the Bible says they are worldly. Now, if we're not careful, we'll apply all sorts of weird definitions to worldly. Christians have done this for years. We make it, even here in Appalachia, in our culture, we make up definitions about what is worldly. When Paul says they were worldly, he did not mean that their music had too much drum or that they were wearing brand names clothes or that they were watching movies that weren't rated G or that they were bringing coffee into the worship center or that they, somebody dared to get a tattoo. That's not at all what Paul meant by worldly. You see, the problem that, that happens is that sometimes we take Old Testament commands and we try to turn them into New Testament commands and we call this or that worldly. If we do that, here's a danger. If you take one Old Testament command, you've got to take all Old Testament commands. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. We are New Covenant Christians. We are New Testament Christians. And so if you want to pull out some obscure passage from the Old Testament and try to hold it over your brother, sister, in Christ, just remember you've got to take all the Old Testament commands. And there's like 613 of them. So, for instance, if you're going to fall under the Old Testament commands to define worldliness, that means you can't eat bacon. Some of us just quit right there. <laughs> you can't mow your grass on Saturdays. There's this debate, like, can Christians mow the grass on Sunday? If you're going to apply the Old Testament... Sunday's not even the Sabbath. Saturday was the Sabbath. 
And by the way, men, you shouldn't trim your beard or shave if you're really going to fulfill the covenant, the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. 1 Corinthians 3.3 defines worldliness. The Bible interprets as the best interpreter of itself. In 1 Corinthians 3.3, Paul defines worldliness. He says, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? He defines it. Now, this may not be the issue you wrestle with, but I'll guarantee it, all of us struggle with some aspect of worldliness in our lives. There's a gap between where we are and where we're going to be when we meet Jesus. There's a gap. So sometimes that gap is obvious. Sometimes that gap is an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to drugs or an addiction to alcohol or an addiction to food or an addiction to work or an addiction to porn. Sometimes the gap is less obvious. Sometimes it's selfishness or jealousy or gossip or hatred or an inability to forgive. Now hopefully at this point of the morning, everybody agrees with me that we all need to grow. I do, you do. But if by chance there's somebody here and you're still holding out, you don't think you have any areas where you need to grow, I want to dig just a little bit deeper for you because I love you, right? Um, Got to have the bad news before you get the good news. Think about principles like this. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. The Bible says, do all to the glory of God. On the way into church this morning, did you do all to the glory of God? Yesterday, did you rejoice evermore? The Bible says, love hopes all things. A modern translation says, love is not suspicious. Are you a suspicious person in your love? The truth is, when we look at New Testament commands like that, we realize we all have a long way to go. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you, challenge you, admit it. You need to grow. Second principle starts with a B. Believe God is for your growth, not against it. Believe God is for your growth, not against it. Look at our text in verses 6 and 7. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, even though the occasion was different than the occasion we're using it this morning, we learn this principle, God is for your growth. God wants you to grow. Some of you came in this morning and you're wondering if anybody at all in life is in your corner. You're wondering, does anybody care about what you're facing, about what you're struggling with? The answer from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is yes. God wants you. 
He's for you to grow. Even the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel reminds us that God is pro-growth. We learn from the Bible that God creates. Think about his creation. Not only do we grow from even before we're born, but all of creation around us grows. Uh, It's not my wheelhouse, but I'm told that if the universe is expanding, what better picture of that is that God being pro-growth. God creates. Sin breaks. It's part of the gospel story. Think about all the growth that has been stunted because of sin. The physical effects of sin on the world or the disasters that hinder and stall growth. Sin breaks. Even as we look inside of us, there's this aspiration to grow. We want to be like Jesus, but every day, like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, sin is just holding us back every single day. And we will face that until we get to heaven. Sin breaks, but Jesus saves. From Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation 22, the whole rest of the Bible, you know how Jesus summarized the whole Bible? He summarized it in a parable as a shepherd leaving the 99 and going after one lost sheep. Jesus summarized the whole Bible by saying this is a rescue mission. Jesus came to earth to save us from our sin. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And the entire Bible is a Bible of God pursuing us, seeking us like a shepherd seeks his sheep. Think about how we grow after we're saved. Salvation isn't the end line. Salvation, in many ways, is the starting line. We continue to grow. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When somebody comes to my office with a specific issue of growth and they, they know there's an area where they need to grow, we don't start by drilling into that issue. I'm talking about how bad that issue is. You know where we often start? We start right here. We look at the big story that God creates, sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus is transforming us, and I can look at that Christian brother or sister in the eye and say, one day God is going to take that away. God is going to restore you and make all things right. You are part of a big process of God restoring and reconciling all things to himself. God is for your growth. Henry Cloud and John Townsend write, when we finally understand that God isn't mad at us anymore, we become free to concentrate on love and growth instead of trying to appease Him. Believe God is for your growth, not against it. Let us see. Clear the soil of anything that will hinder growth. Clear the soil of anything that will hinder growth. Now, in our text, Paul specifically mentions two duties of the gardener. He says a gardener sows seed and a gardener waters the seed. But he infers in verses 1 through 5 that there's a third responsibility of the gardener, and that is to clear clear the soil of anything that might hinder growth. This particular church wrestled with jealousy. They, They wrestled with pride. They wrestled with envy. That might not be what's hindering your growth, but whatever it is, God says, clear the soil so you can grow. Now, I told you a few months ago that my goal this summer has been to grow nice grass. 
I live in a neighborhood where there's a number of folks who, who are retired and they have some time to mow their grass and some really, really, really great people. Some of them, many of them, several of them attend church here. Um, and I love their lawn. But I'm the neighbor who kind of like lets his grass grow sometimes too long. You know, I've got like a car on blocks in my front yard. Not really, but I'm like that guy. So I'm like, ah, yeah, there's more important things to do than mow my grass. Well, this year, my goal was to have a halfway decent lawn. So I didn't mow it every other day like some of them do. But, you know, I, I tried to mow it every three weeks. That's a good goal, right? Like, that's a really, really no, maybe every two weeks. That's a good goal. But early in the year, I told you about sowing grass seed. My front yard is looking pretty good. But my backyard, I just discovered a few days ago when I mowed grass, I have a serious crabgrass problem. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Somewhere along the way this summer, during that like six weeks period when I didn't mow the grass, somewhere along the way, um, the crabgrass had babies and then their babies had babies and their babies. Had, so I've got like this, if you need crabgrass, you're welcome to come to my house. You can have it all for free. I know that between now and next spring, in order for my backyard to look like my front yard, I've got to clear the soil of the crabgrass. So my question for you is, what is the crabgrass in your life? What is it that's keeping you from growing into the healthy believer that God wants you to be? Maybe it's a spiritual factor. Maybe you're refusing to forgive somebody. Or, or maybe you're, you're so scared or maybe even proud to reach out for help and that pride is holding you back from growing. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a negative friend. Somebody who, who tempts you to violate your conscience. Somebody who, who seems like when you're around that person, you just know you're going to make poor choices. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a biological or psychosocial factor. For instance, if your great-grandma struggled with depression, and your grandma struggled with depression, and one of your parents struggled with depression, most likely you're going to struggle with some sort of depression. Now, this is out of my wheelhouse, but, but I, I am, I, what I see a lot is people sometimes thinking that they're spiritually bad or somehow spiritually subpar, and then when you get into their story, you find out that it's not a spiritual factor at all. If you have a broken leg, surely you're going to go to the doctor. Please go to the doctor if you have a broken leg. But why is it that we in the Christian world, if we struggle with depression or anxiety, we somehow think that, well, well no, I don't need to go to the doctor. This is spiritual. You see, God has made the whole body. God's interested in all of you. I'm learning in my life there are certain things that I've got to be careful not to do or else it will hinder my growth. For instance, I'm not preaching against this. I'm just telling you me. I know that if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be a very good Christian. My wife and kids are in this service, and they're going to tell you, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be a very good Christian. If I drink too much Diet Mountain Dew, right? I love Diet Mountain Dew, but I actually haven't drank it for like six or eight months because when I drink it, it likes makes me so anxious and so hyper. I'm like, what is up? So I just, for me, I can't drink Diet Mountain Dew. I know that I've got to exercise. I know that if I eat too much sugar, it's going to mess with me. These are physical things, but they affect spiritual realities. So I encourage you, clear out the soil of anything that may hinder your growth. Tonight, we start Celebrate Recovery Step Studies. 
right here at 6 o'clock. Our women have their first step study. And then on Tuesday, the men are from 7 to 9. And then on Thursday, the women will have another group from 6 to 8. If there's an area of your life, and really all of us have areas of our life where we need to grow, let me challenge you. Check out the step studies tonight. One of our ladies, check out the step study for men on Tuesday and see what God can do as they work through these 12 steps similar to what I'm preaching this morning. Letter D, depend on God for growth in every aspect of your life. Depend on God for growth in every aspect of your life. In verses 6 and 7, Paul again says, God makes it grow. It's God who makes things grow, verse 7. I've got good news and I've got bad news. Let me give you the bad news first. Here's the bad news. You can't make yourself grow. Somebody else has to do it for you. That's the bad news. You can't make yourself grow. Somebody else has to do it for you. Now, let me give you the good news. You can't make yourself grow. Somebody else has to do it for you. That's the bad news and the good news. You can't make yourself grow. Somebody else has to do it for you. You see, we have responsibilities, and just like a gardener, we can, we can clear the soil, we can plant the seed, but ultimately, growth comes from the Lord. Jesus said in John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If I were to ask today, how many of us think we should ask the Lord to help us grow spiritually? We're all going to raise our hand. You would not be here this morning if you didn't believe that. But I wonder, how long has it been since that specific small area of your life, or not so small area of your life, that you've asked the Lord to help you grow in that area? You're like, man, does God really care about that? Yeah, He does. Why not today say, God, revive my marriage? God, revive that broken friendship. God, revive my career. Jumpstart my spiritual growth. Jumpstart my, my personal growth, my professional growth. Wherever it is that you struggle, watch what God does if you depend on Him for even the smallest, specific areas of your life. Depend on God for growth in every aspect of life. Letter E. Engage often with other Christians who will encourage your growth. Engage often with other Christians who will encourage your growth. Throughout the letter, throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds the church to lean into one another. You're a temple, he says. You're like bricks in a building. Remember that you need one another to stand. Christianity was never intended to be a solo sport. Christianity, here's two sentences that hopefully will raise your eyebrows. Christianity isn't just about you and Jesus. It's about you, Jesus, and the church. You and your Bible are not enough to grow to the level God wants you to grow. You and your Bible are not enough to grow to the level God wants you to grow. 
Now, before you get your pitchforks out and say, is our pastor saying that the, the Bible's not enough? Please hear what I'm saying. God designed us to walk with him, with his word, in a group of people. That's always been God's design. If you take two men, two twins, two brothers, you put them in the same Bible schedule, the same prayer schedule, the same sleep schedule, food schedule, music, and put one alone on an island for five years and the other for five years, engaging deeply with a group of Christians, the one who engaged deeply will grow more every single time. The one who's with other believers will grow more than the one who is alone. Because that's the way God designed us as a body. James, Jesus' half-brother, said this, James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want to tell you about one of my friends from seminary. This guy was one of these fellows who probably read more books than any of us did. He was about our age, maybe a little bit younger. He read a lot of books on the Christian growth and the Christian life. He read his Bible constantly. He was very interested in soul formation. And I'm thankful for the way God's used him. But we noticed that even though he spent a lot of time reading and studying and writing and journaling, we noticed that there were some like really glaring, I want to say, there were some areas where he really needed to grow. For instance, you could almost guarantee it that whenever he showed up for lunch, that he would conveniently forget his wallet, right? Now, he made the same kind of money we made, but he would conveniently forget his wallet. I remember one occasion, we were downtown Louisville, and he forgot his wallet, and he parked really far away. He's like, ah, oh, I forgot my wallet. Now, we were on to this cat, right? We knew what he was doing. We knew he loved Jesus, and we knew he loved to read, but he had a problem. And so we all agreed before he got there, he, we know he's not going to bring his wallet, so we're going to tell him, oh, it's okay, you can get your wallet. Well, he purposely parked really far away. He's like, oh, I parked far away. If you guys don't mind, I forgot my wallet. We're like, no, it's okay, we'll wait. We'll wait, go ahead, man. We're, we'll wait. He's like, no, I'll park. no, no, for real, we will wait. So we were able to speak into his life, like, yes, we know you love Jesus, but dude, you got this glaring issue, right? Pay for your lunch. It's not that big a deal. We noticed areas where he needed to grow in loving his wife and loving his children. Specific areas where he needed to grow in getting his work done and showing up on time. And we were able to speak into his life. And he's, Jesus is using him to do great things. You see, had he just read his books and just had his hours of quiet time, that wasn't all that God wanted him to have to grow spiritually. He needed the body. This year, our emphasis is making spiritual friends. And the reason for that is because we want you to get around a group of people who can help you grow spiritually. It's so important. For some of you, it's a group. You're already in a Sunday group or you're already in a community group. And we're going to be announcing that over the next few weeks, how you can get in community group. Dive in headfirst and grow. Some of you are still a little apprehensive, like, I don't know about going to somebody's house, I don't know, or coming here to Sunday in a classroom. Your next step might be find the Christian brothers and sisters who are already in your life, some of whom you already hang out with, and just hang out with them with more intentionality. It might be just reading the scriptures together aloud when you get together. It might be a few of you just praying together once a week. But see, the command isn't to join Bible Center's community groups. 
the command is to be in community. And we want you to make spiritual friends so you can have brothers and sisters encourage you, challenge you, hold you accountable, and make sure you pay for your lunch. <laughs> Lastly, letter F, feed yourself with healthy nutrients. Feed yourself with healthy nutrients. It is important to build a diet that works for you. The Bible is God's truth. Jesus said, sanctify yourself through truth. Thy word is truth. Listen to it. Read it. Read it out loud. Watch what it does to your soul. If you're not sure where to start, you're like, hey, I'm waiting for a devotional program. Don't wait for a devotional program. Just start in the book of Matthew and read a chapter out loud every day. Watch how the Word transforms you into the image of Jesus. Read it out loud with your family. We have core classes here at Bible Center. We've got a women's conference coming up here this next weekend. We do all these things so that we can grow in God's Word. It may be other factors, factors like just enjoying nature, enjoying some sunshine, having some silence and solitude, getting the sleep you need, taking time off, reading good books. There's a book I read this past week by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. I highly recommend. One of my close friends, I texted him the book I was reading, and he said, read everything you can read about, by these two authors. Uh, but it's about how people grow. It's a deeper book, and so it'll take you, may take you a while to work through it, depending on your speed, but I highly recommend it. Books like this help us grow as people in every area of our life. Now we're going to wrap up in just a couple minutes. Why do we need to grow? We've talked about the what, we've talked about the how, but why is it so important? If we're not careful, I love our church, but if we're not careful, we could value growth for the sake of growth. Our mission is to produce more maturing followers of Jesus, so let's get smart for Jesus. There's a danger in that. I love what one man wrote. He said, Edward Abbey said, growth for the sake of growth is the ideology of the cancer cell. Our goal is not to be smart Christians. There's a reason that we want to grow. What is that reason? And it's right here in the text. It's twofold. One is so that we can, one, reach more people for Jesus. It's to reach more people for Jesus. Paul says, he says, as you grow, God will use you to build the church like a building, like the, the New Testament temple. We are the temple. We are the church. As people come to Christ, they become a part of God's building. Jesus used a fishing metaphor. So if you're not into construction, but you're into fishing, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Why do we grow deeper in discipleship? It's so that we can reach more people. Today in the Coal River, we're going to baptize a number of people. I was reading their testimonies last night, just getting chills, thinking about what God's done right here through you. But there's a whole city who needs Christ. We reach more people as we grow in Christ. And then number two, we won't be rewarded unless we grow. We won't reach more people unless we grow, and we won't be rewarded unless we grow. In verse 12, Paul says this. This is going to be you. This is going to be me. 
If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet will be saved, you're still going to go to heaven, even though only as one escaping through the flames. My job as a pastor of this church is to help you have a good day on that great day. All the job description boils down to that. I want you to have a good day on that great day. And the way to have a good day on that great day of judgment is to grow in Christ. You'll reach more people for Jesus. You'll be rewarded when you do. And the book of Revelation has this beautiful picture. What are we going to do with those rewards? It's not like us walking around heaven with all of our badges flapping in the wind. But we take our crowns, and where do we cast them? Right back at Jesus' feet. I want that for you, which is why we must grow. Spiritual growth is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives. May God help us to grow today. Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.